Good morning. This morning's reading is from chapter 4 of the book of James. It's in the New Testament towards the far end. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he, jealousy, longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbour? Well, do keep that passage open and we'll pray for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. Please help us now to understand it, to believe it, and take it to our hearts by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. An Asian news outlet reported some years ago a Chinese couple who had met online finally came face to face, only to discover they'd been living together for two years. Bored with each other, the pair had secretly turned to the web to meet someone new using online nicknames. They only realized this when they agreed to meet. And when they discovered what had happened, an argument flared up which became so heated the police were called in. You can laugh at that if you want to, maybe not. That's an example 
of conflict. Conflict is the theme of this passage from the Bible. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Conflict is a part of everyday life. The home can be a place of conflict between couples or between parents and children or between siblings. The workplace can be a place of conflict. Friends can fall out. Perhaps some here today are feeling the pain of conflict. Perhaps some are feeling bruised. Perhaps some are feeling guilty. Sadly, I have witnessed and even been party to conflict within the Christian church. I was preaching at another church recently and there was much kissing and hugging in the coffee time. But the church secretary said to me, we have our squabbles too. There should not be conflict in the Christian community. It's a mark of our failure, a mark of our sin, that we do experience conflict. James asks three questions, which I want to use as my headings today. James is the author of the letter we're looking at today from the Bible. James was Jesus' brother. James asks three questions in this section. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? And who are you to judge your neighbour? Firstly then, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Verses 1 to 3. Well, look at verse 1b, the second half of verse 1. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you. Where does conflict come from? In the church, it comes from wrong desires within us. And these aggressive desires can be very damaging. Verse two, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. I don't suppose there was literal murder in the churches that James writes to, but I'm sure there was character assassination. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that just to get sinfully angry with someone is to commit murder in our hearts. Verse two again, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You covet, says James, you want things that belong to someone else. And that causes quarrelling and fighting. The root cause of this in our lives is our lack of a prayer life, verse 2b. You do not have because you do not ask God. We don't pray very often. We don't share with God our needs and desires. If we did, very often God would give us what we ask for, provided it's his will for us. Our problem is that we don't ask God for things, we don't pray. Or when we do pray, verse three, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 
We don't have a prayer life. Or we do pray, but we only pray with selfish motives. God doesn't honour selfish prayers. So what causes fights and quarrels among us? Evil desires within us. Or a non-existent or selfish prayer life. It's hard to face up to what I'm really like sometimes. But it's very important. We can only start to change if we are honest with ourselves about what we're really like. I need to admit the ways in which I cause conflict. Second question. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Verses 4 to 6. Verse 4. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? The Bible often uses the marriage relationship as a picture of our relationship with God. And James is saying that for some of us, God, our husband, has come home and found us in the arms of another lover. Spiritual adultery is when we're not actually living for the God who created us, the God who loves us. Rather, we're living for our own selfish desires. So how are things between us and God? Next bit of verse 4. Therefore, because friendship with the world means enmity against God, which doesn't mean that we can't be friends with non-Christians, it means we have to choose. Am I committed to God or am I living just like the non-Christian world? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's very serious. Ukraine is finding out what it's like to have Russia as an enemy. It's a dreadful thing to have an enemy that is more powerful than you are. We're very foolish if we think we can take on God and win. The good news of the Bible is that God made the world and we discover meaning and purpose in a relationship with him. But all of us by nature ignore God, disobey God, declare war against him and make ourselves enemies with God. We are in a dire situation. Life may be very pleasant now, but one day we will die and we will stand before God as our judge. And in his holiness and justice, God will judge us for our sin. And we will be sent to hell. But the good news of the Bible is that God loves us. God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. So God enters our world himself in the person of Jesus. Jesus leads the perfect life that we could never lead. Jesus is always 
friends with God. He's never an enemy with God. Jesus lives a perfect life and then he dies on the cross to take our punishment for the things we've done wrong. This means that no one needs to go to hell. Jesus has taken our punishment of hell when he dies on the cross. Jesus has paid the price of our sin, of our wrongdoing, of our breaking of God's laws. Jesus has taken the punishment. Jesus has paid the price. And therefore, we can be forgiven. Whereas by nature, we may have chosen to be an enemy of God, now, because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. We can be friends with God. We can know that we're going to heaven. And God longs for us to come back to him. Like a husband who longs to have his adulterous wife back. Verse 5. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. If my wife went off with someone else, I would be jealous because I love Becca and I want her to be mine. And that's how God feels about us. He loves us. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. He offers us grace. Grace means God loving us, forgiving us, blessing us, accepting us. He gives more grace, verse 6. And God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. We have two options today. We can either be proud towards God. I don't need you, God. I don't want your love. I don't want you in my life. Or we can be humble before him. Lord, I admit I've done things wrong. But thank you that you love me. I need you in my life. God will show favour to those who come to him like that. And then the third question. Who are you to judge your neighbour? Verses 7 to 12. James is saying, we shouldn't be concerned with judging other people. Rather, I need to look into my own heart and say sorry to God for the things I've done wrong. Verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil is not someone dressed up in red with a pitchfork, but he is a real being. He's the cause of all that is evil. And James is saying we can either resist God's love or we can resist the devil. God wants us to love him. The devil wants us to follow him. Which would it be for us? Verse 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. 
If we resist the devil and come near to God, we will know his love for us personally. So wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. In other words, turn away from all you know to be wrong and follow Jesus. Don't be double-minded in the words of verse 8. Don't be two-faced. Make a choice. Yes, I will follow Jesus. Verse 9, grieve. Grieve over the things you've done wrong. Wail, cry. I wonder what makes you cry. It doesn't take much to make me cry, because I'm Welsh. We are an emotional nation. James is saying, I should cry over the things I've done wrong. I should change my laughter to mourning and my joy to gloom. Yvonne Edwards was an alcoholic and a drug addict. She was high performing. She was able to hold down a well-paid job, but she was an addict. One day God spoke to her when she was reading the Bible and she realized what a mess she was making of her life. And she cried and cried. James is saying that we should cry over the things we've done wrong. We should come to God in our tears and say sorry for our sins. And then we know the greatest joy, the joy of forgiven sin, a relationship with God, the knowledge that we're going to heaven. But the only way to know this joy, verse 10, is to humble ourselves before the Lord and he will lift us up. My job then is to look into my own heart be honest about my sin and come to God for forgiveness. I'm not to concern myself with judging other people. I certainly shouldn't slander others, verse 11. I'm not to make myself a judge. I am responsible for myself before God. Verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. And that is God. God is the judge before we, whom we will all stand. When Tony Blair took us into the Iraq war, he was hugely criticized, as I'm sure you know. One of the things that Tony Blair said about that was that God would be his judge. He's right about that, verse 12. There is one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. God is the judge. He can save us from hell if we humble ourselves before him. Or he can destroy us in hell. I need to look into my own heart. I'm not to judge my neighbor in verse 12, I'm responsible for myself before God. You are responsible for yourself before God. Again and again, God says to us in the Bible that he loves us. 
He wants us to make friends with him. He wants to love us like a husband loves his wife. Well, where does God's words from the Bible speak to you today? Are you in a conflict situation? Do you need to make friends with other people? More importantly, are you at war with God? Do you need to make friends with him? The experience of Obi and Sarah is that they have discovered the love and forgiveness and friendship of God. They've invited us to join them today because they want each one of us to know God's love for us too. If all of this is very new to you, I'd encourage you to keep coming to church, to keep listening to the sermons. Or maybe you'd like to come on one of our Exploring Christianity courses and find out if Jesus rose from the dead. Is Christianity true? If Jesus rose from the dead, that substantiates his claim to be God. To be God come as a human being. Come and look at the evidence for Christianity. Don't dismiss Jesus without looking at the evidence. We'd love to have your company on one of our courses. So thank you for listening today and may God bless you.